0: Ephesians chapter one and verse three. Blessed is the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's truth that we can hold in our hands. I thank you, Lord, that it stands for generations. It has stood for ages. It has stood. Empires have risen and fallen, uh, but your word has stood firm because it's alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword and it's able to cut us even in our deepest parts uh, and both wound us and heal us. Mm -hmm. And we thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you that as we look at what you are in our life, who you are as God and King and what that means for us, uh, Lord, that our faith will grow and our walk with you will be built up in Jesus name. Amen. So again, we started last week, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. We, we talked a little bit about how that church was formed, what God was doing uh, through them. Uh, and in the book of Ephesians, what Paul was saying to them, what God was saying to them and what he's still saying to us today. Uh, his message in Ephesians is that God is building something new. He's building new People. He's building a new society that's going to be made up of new ways of relating with one another. This message that we hear so often from uh, secularists and uh, people out there, you know, again, Marxist, communists, even capitalists saying you need to be remade. The world needs to be new. We need a what? A new world order. We need something different than what we have. They're sniffing on the problem, but they've got the wrong answer. God is doing that. His kingdom coming from heaven where it is to earth, where it is supposed to be. Amen. And so as Paul begins this letter, he cannot contain himself as he talks about how God has blessed the saints in Christ Jesus. So much so that these first 12 verses Or the 12 verses from 3 to 14 in the Greek is just one long run on sentence. He just can't. It's just flowing out of him. We've got it separated into sentences for our reading. But in theirs, it was one long run on sentence of praise to God. And he starts off there in verse three, and I'm reading in the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, if you want to sync up with mine, that's what it is. Um, He begins in verse three by saying, blessed is the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ." Or blessed, be the one who has blessed us with all the blessings. That's a lot of uses of that word, isn't it? In English, we translate them all into blessed or blessing. In the Greek is three different forms of that word. The first one where he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, means praises to Praises to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, who has put blessings on us, who has prospered us, who has who has invoked things upon us. Praises to the one who has caused us to prosper or put blessing on us. We praise him who has shown us favor and prospered us. And you can see where Paul's heart and mind is at the beginning of this letter, what he would guide uh, their hearts to see, what he would guide our hearts up to. Like a tour guide taking you through and showing you different exhibits when you've gone and toured something, whether it was a museum or, or, or a building that had a lot of neat things about it. The tour guide has been there before, and they're more excited about it than you are because they've seen it firsthand before you have, and they're excited to show you about it. So as Paul is walking walking through this. He's both praising God and teaching us about God. He's saying, y'all come over here and look at this. You got to see this part. Oh, come on over here. You, you got to look at this. You got to see what it is that he did. And he's already worked up about it. And, and he wants us to consider it and worship with him. I love it because before even sniffing at, in in this letter, before he even sniffs at things that we need to do for God, he starts with what God has already done for us. He says, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God and Father. Now, in the Old Testament, God is referred to as Father roughly about 14 times in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, He's referred to as father more than 60 times. You can see that he's doing something different when Christ comes on the scene. The one who has blessed us is the God and father of Jesus Christ. And I will remember that when we get to verse five. But it says in the latter part of verse three that he has blessed us. With every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. He has blessed us. Past tense. He has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. It's past tense for the saints. Every saint who is in Christ Jesus. The blessings, all the spiritual blessings in the heavens. We have already been blessed with. Blessed be the one who has blessed us with the blessings. I said, we're going to use that word a lot. That last one that he's blessed us with, you could, you could translate that as benefits. Praise to the one who has prospered us with all of these benefits, all these spiritual benefits in the heavenly places. And we see a principle here at work that you'll see uh, throughout the whole scripture is that. Every blessing originates from God the Father, is mediated or accomplished by the Son, and applied to the lives of believers by the Spirit. Amen. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all the spiritual blessings in the heavens. He has blessed Did Did you know that you don't have to manipulate our God to bless you? You don't have to trick him into blessing you. He's not like the gods that you would read about in the Greek and the Roman mythology where you had to get one over on them. You had to get leverage on them in order for them to bless you. Our God does not have to be manipulated to bless. In the book of Genesis, it said male and female. He created them. And he what? He blessed them before they had done anything, good or bad, and knowing they would do bad. What did he do? He blessed them. He didn't have to. By our logic, he he shouldn't have, right? By our logic and our thinking, he shouldn't have because there was no merit, but he did. And that's what you'll see over and over as we read just these few verses Here in Ephesians that our God wants to bless and he does so by grace through Jesus Christ. And when we're thinking on blessings, we get overwhelmed with the blessings in the Old Testament. A lot of blessings talked about in the Old Testament. I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you this city. I'm going to give you this big family. I'm going to I'm going to prosper you. We're going to build a society here. It's going to be a city set up on a hill. You see all these blessings. In the Old Testament. And those blessings are great and they're earthly. And Jesus said that those earthly blessings, what happens? Thieves break in and steal. (laughs) And moths and rust destroy. What you treasured 20 years ago, you probably don't even have now. You sold it in the yard sale already. What did he say? Store up your treasures in heaven where thieves can't break in and steal and moth and rust can't destroy. The earthly blessings, they're good. But y'all got to hear about these heavenly blessings where the thief can't come and where the moth and the rust have no effect. And you'll see more about that as we go through when he's talking about the blessings in the heavens or in the heavenlies. More about that as we go through Ephesians. It says he has blessed us with all of it. All of them. All of it in Christ Jesus. The saints in the Old Testament, they were blessed, right? We talk about them being blessed. Abraham, blessed. Had position, power. We just see him. We've gone through all of their names. We've gone through all the stories as we went through Hebrews 11. We saw how they were blessed. But the other thing we saw... In Hebrews 11, that even though they had things that we want, they have things that if we had, you know, you have that question, that icebreaker question, you know, if you found a lamp and there was a genie in it and it gave you one wish, what would you wish for? You know, we think through all the things, oh, would it be this? Oh, would it be this? And it's usually the blessings that they had. It's usually the things here, isn't it? But Hebrews 11 told us, That all of them, all the blessed ones in the Old Testament, they died in faith, having not yet received the promise. Having not yet received what was out there in front of them. Said they looked at it, they saw it afar off, they waved to it. And they desired a better place. What kind of place did they desire? A heavenly one. They desired a place in the heavens. And so you'll see this contrast with the Old Testament saints and what we're blessed with in the New Testament. Said the saints in the New Testament are blessed with property and position and power in the heavens. What they were looking towards. We can walk in what they died in faith believing for. And we can still have the former. We can still be blessed. We still have blessings here on this earth, but never discount the greater that we have available to us in Christ. You see that in, again, the latter part of verse three, every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. This is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of heaven. This is what Jesus came preaching and teaching about. This is the reason that he died on the cross. This is the reason that he rose from the grave. This is the reason that he ascended on high to the right hand of the father. It's the reason he sent the Holy Spirit. He has blessed us with all of these blessings. How was he able to accomplish that? How did that come about? Well, he tells us in verse four through six. It says, for he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. He blessed us by choosing and adopting us. that's what it just said right he blessed us by choosing and adopting us it says he chose before the world began chose us in Christ before the world began for us to be what holy and blameless in love before him and he predestined us to be adopted as sons and again ladies don't think you're left out it's translated sons because the inheritance went through the sons it's meaning to all of the seed. So you can say sons and daughters, that's fine. Predestined us to be adopted. But, but for us to be holy and blameless before him, that don't really sound like us, does it? Do y'all know you? Do you think of yourself, in yourself, as holy and blameless? We weren't in ourselves holy or blameless, were we? I had a lot of blame even by the time I was pretty little. Even early on, I wasn't holy and blameless. He couldn't bless me. He couldn't call me. It said he blessed us with all of those blessings. How? In Christ. He chose us in Christ. Him before the foundation of the world. So before anything that was made was made, when the earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep, He knew that His creation, which included mankind and included us, because He he knows ahead of time, right? Right? That's the thing about God. He knows ahead of time. He knew that he would create us, create us with a free will. Because without the ability to freely disobey, we can't freely obey. Without the ability to freely despise, we can't freely love. And he knew that we would know. What does it say in Genesis they now know good and evil. Which meant what? They're not innocent anymore. That they wouldn't be innocent before him. Before he created anything, he put in place a plan of redemption for us to be holy, which we weren't, and blameless, which we weren't. And he did this By choosing Christ, who is holy. And he is blameless. That's why it says he chose us in Christ. The Father chose before the foundations of the world, chose you in Christ to be holy and blameless before him. He chose before he, you'll see that where you see predestined and there can be so much drama around those words. So much drama for so many years. I'm like, Lord, there's so much drama around these words. But then I'm looking at it and I, I said he chose Christ. And in choosing Christ, he chose all that would choose Christ. Do you see that? And that includes you. And that includes me. He chose Christ. And in making Christ available to us. He chose all who would choose Christ because how will I stand? That's what I decide in my life. That's what that's my answer for life and death. How will I stand? Is it on my own righteousness and my own holiness and my own works? Or is it on the holiness and righteousness and works of Christ? That's how will I stand? How will I stand before God either on my own or in Christ? Those are your two options. Option A is not going to go well because you're not holy and you're not blameless. But Christ is. And in him, he chose you to be holy and blameless. When I choose Christ, his righteousness, his holiness, when I'm in Christ, I too, and this part will really cook your noodle. I too am righteous and holy and blameless. And watch this. It's retroactive. It goes forward and it goes backwards. It goes all the way back to the beginning. So when he says he predestined you to be adopted in Christ, he doesn't just pick you up right now. He puts you in the family like you were always there, like you never left. As if we were always sons and daughters, holy and blameless. Again, look at look at verse five. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. He predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ as his family. The father predetermined. Decided beforehand and committed in advance to adopt us in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ, the promised child, the beloved son, the only begotten, the unique one. The one in whom, what did he say about him? This is my beloved son in whom I'm what? Well pleased. The father said, I'll have Christ. Christ. And all who are in him. That's how we are adopted. It's a miracle. And he didn't do this grudgingly. Again, he doesn't have to be manipulated to be blessed. He worked all of this according to the good pleasure of his will. Before he made the heavens and the earth, he decided and planned to know you. To love you, to save you and to bless you in Christ. It says it pleased him. It was it was to the pleasure, the good pleasure of his will that he did this. Again, look at verse six, this one to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. To the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us. How? How do he lavish this grace on us and the beloved one? This is why I want you to read this with me. This is why I want you to look at this. So, you know, I'm not just making this up, that it says this in here about you and me. God, the father, the father of Christ blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ. He chose us in Christ. Predestined us to be adopted as his children in Christ, through Christ. And all of this grace has been lavished on us. How? In the beloved one. I know this is a big idea. And I was praying. I was like, God, how could, give me an example. I want to I want these to be like Paul's letters. I want it to be big in the beginning and applicable towards the end. That's what's on my heart. And he he reminded me of something that happened back around. It was after Christmas and before New Year's. During Christmas break, Kelly and I and Abby and her boyfriend Landon were going to Little Rock something. I think we were just going for the day, going and shopping. And they decided what restaurant they wanted to eat at. And I said, I think my cousin manages that restaurant. And they said, your cousin doesn't man- You're just, no. You're just selling us a load of boys. You don't have a cousin managing a restaurant in Little Rock, and it just so happened to be the one that we picked. No, you don't. You don't have that. But I did. I was pretty sure it was him. I'm pretty sure he was there at that restaurant. He's one, not my first cousin. His grandmother and my grandfather were brother and sister. So whatever that you know, makes us. First cousin, once removed, maybe. I don't know. I don't know which one was removed. That's not how that works. Anyway, we get there and I'm like, oh man, this, I really hope that I'm right. Cause now I've kind of made a statement about it and I see him walking around in the back and I'm like, yeah. And so we order, you know, the waitress is taking care of us. She's very professional. She does a great job. We eat our food and she brings me the ticket. And you know, I pay it and we're about to go. I said, Hey, my cousin works here and they're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. My cousin works here. Would you mind telling him that I'm here? I'd like to say hi to him And she said, what's his name? I was like his name's Jay and she looked at me confused She was like She's like, I don't think we have anybody named Jay that works here and I was like, I was kind of confused I was like he's yeah, I've seen him. He's here uh, he's got like, you know, bald head. He, he's back there. She's like, I'll go ask. And she's just looking at me very suspicious. And uh, she came back and she said, sir, I'm sorry. There's not anybody back there named Jay. And I'm having this moment of anxiety now. I'm like, what is going on? And then I, I remember it. I was like, ah, oh. we call him Jay. Because he had the same name as his daddy. So, you know, a lot of times when the son has the same name as the daddy, one of them gets changed, right? We call him something else. I said, what about Jerry? And she said, oh, my God, you're Jerry's cousin. I mean, see, like I fell on this. She fell on me. She's like, you should have. And she, she said, you should have said something before you paid for your food. Let me go get him. And so what happened? You see that just the difference there, all of a sudden, she who was, you know, nice to me, polite to me, but very formal with me. All of a sudden, there's a relationship there between her and I, because there's a relationship between me and him. You see that? She really liked him. She thought an awful lot of him. And all I said was that I'm with him. I'm associated with him. So she brought me in at a level of friendship all of a sudden and familiarity that I wasn't due to have based on who I was or what I had done. I hadn't done anything to know her. I can't even tell you her name right now. But her, her, her wall of formality came down, and all of a sudden we were friends because I was connected to him. And did you notice what she said? She said, You should have said something before you paid that bill. And I was like, Well, that's not why I'm bringing up his name. I'll pay my bill. Now, next time I'm going to be sure and bring it up earlier, but this time. <laughs> but she treated me immediately different because of my relationship with him. I didn't have a relationship with her. I had a relationship with him, but because of my relationship with him, she received me like she received him. And look at this. The bill that I was holding was subject to the name that I claimed. The bill that that was the first thing he said too. He's like, hey man, to see you. you should have said something before you paid your bill. Uh. I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. I don't have many cousins in many places. I need to figure this out. Where's the rest of them work at? No, anyway. But the bill that I was holding was subject to the name that I claimed and the relationship that I had. There was gonna be things lavished on me that I didn't deserve because of the time that he had spent there, because of the position that he held there, because of who he was and because of what he had done. And again, I didn't do anything to bring that about. We just happened to be kin. It, it was just a, a grace. I didn't, I didn't do anything to accomplish that. We just were. And I think about that when I think about being in Christ, because that's just a simple earthly example. But man, you can see the similarity, can't you? That you can go before God Almighty, the Father, who you have, listen, on your own, on my own, have no right to be in front of, have no right to receive anything but judgment and wrath. But you come before Him in Christ. You come before him in Christ. It says in Christ, he's blessed us with all the spiritual blessings in the heavens. All the things he's lavished on us in the beloved one that he chose us in Christ. He predestined us to be adopted in Christ. All of a sudden, I have a relationship with the father that I don't deserve because I have a relationship with the son that I didn't do any of my own works to bring about. And what you'll see as we go through this and what you saw in Acts is that even the spirits were responding to Paul. Why? Because of Jesus. He was able to walk into Ephesus and say, I don't know if you all know this or not, but my brother manages this place. Right. My brother's in charge here. My older brother, he's in charge here. You have to answer to him. The principalities, the powers, the rulers of darkness of this age. They didn't didn't have to answer to Paul, but guess what? Paul's not standing on his own. He's in Christ Jesus. In the bill that we hold, the one that we're subject to, which is what our death, the end of our life that we can't do anything about. We can hold it off as long as we can. But it doesn't look like any of us getting out of here alive, right? We have to have an answer. We got a bill that has to be paid and it's more than what we can pay. But just like in that restaurant, the bill that we hold is subject to the name that we claim. It's like, cause that's what it was. She was like, this is your bill. This is what you owe for all your enchiladas, all your cheeses, everything that you This is what you owe. But all of a sudden, when I claimed his name, what I owed would have been reduced. The bill that we owe is subject to the name that we claim. How much has been lavished on us in the beloved one that we don't even realize yet. When was the last time that you thought about it? When was the last time you took just a few minutes and got your mind off of those earthly blessings and just thought about everything
1: that he has
0: already Done for you in Christ. He is loved by the father. The father is well pleased by him. And in Christ, I have access to that relationship with the father because of my relationship with Christ. Again, I get to choose. I'm almost done. Whose righteousness and holiness Am I standing in? Is it my own? Or is it his? My own is not the answer. Scripture says my righteousness is nothing before him. That I can't go back and undo all the wrongs that I've done. That I can't cover them on my own. But what I can do. He's given me the ability to claim Jesus, to call on Jesus. That's what it is. When we call on him, we're saying, I can't stand on my own merits. I can't stand my own holiness. I can't stand on my own righteousness. And I need to be able to stand. I see you with your arms out. I hear about that cross where you said, if anyone all, All you who are weary and heavy laden, come unto me and I will give you rest. And I'm taking you at your word that what you said you can do, you can do. And then his name gets us in front of the father. And again, it's not on us. We'll get to verse seven next week. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to what? The riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He knew what he was doing. He knew the work that needed to be done. He knew us from top to bottom. He knew everything you still hadn't even yet done wrong. He knew all the wrongs you've yet to do. And he poured out and lavished his grace on you. And he said, all we have to do is cry Jesus. I was listening to a song yesterday. He said, now I'm alive to tell the story of how I've overcome. It's his goodness and mercy and the power of his blood. I'm so glad that my freedom isn't based on what I've done. But his goodness and mercy and the power of his blood. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, we praise you along with Paul as we read this and we think on that you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ Jesus. That you chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that you predestined us to be adopted as sons and daughters in Christ and you didn't do this grudgingly. We didn't have to manipulate you into doing it, but it was according to the good pleasure of your will and the praise of your glorious grace that you've lavished on us in the beloved one. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we can call on his name in all of the bills. Everything that we owe is subject to that name that we claim. Because we hold bills that we couldn't pay. Not even if we wanted to. Not even if we tried. Not even if we had a thousand years to live, could we pay that bill? Because we started out sinful and we couldn't make ourselves sinless. But you sent us a sinless Savior who for us bled and died. Who went to the very bottom, the pit of what we are most afraid of. Death itself and came back victorious, rose from the dead, and ascended to a position of authority in the heavenlies. Colossians tells us we are already seated there with him. Father, I thank you that we'll have a greater understanding and awareness by faith of who we are in Christ. That our brother manages this place. When we look at this world and we see it in the shape that it's in, when we see the things that are going on that grieve your heart, I thank you that we can start in our little corner of it and do what you've called us to do, to stand in that righteousness and holiness that's not our own, and to preach the hope and the goodness of Jesus Christ, to shine a light into the darkness, knowing that it's only you that brings about this new world that we all know that we need. Oh, we thank you so much. Thank you for Jesus. Lord, as we get ready to go, I thank you that we'll leave here today in peace and unity with one another. Lord, all those who are out from us, whether they're weak in their body, heal them and strengthen them. If they're away from us traveling, bring them safely back to us, encouraged and refreshed. And Lord, if if they're working today, I thank you that they do so as unto you. And Father, for all those who just today just couldn't, I thank you that you can, that you're able to minister to them right where they are, right where they are, and bring them back to the fellowship. I thank you for what you're doing in our community. I thank you that as we look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith, we won't grow weary in doing good, but we'll see a harvest when we don't lose heart. Thank you for all these blessings both that we enjoy earthly and all the things you've blessed us, the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. We say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.